On Monday, October 30th, the House of Commons Standing Committee on Justice and Human Rights met to continue its discussions over the bill to amend the criminal code. The BC Humanist Association last week submitted our brief to the committee setting out why we support the government's decision to repeal sections 296 and 176, which prohibit blasphemous libel and disrupting a religious service, respectively. In this recording from the committee, Greg Oliver, president of the Canadian Secular Alliance, testifies before the committee with arguments largely similar to our own. In questions from MPs, he's also joined by Janet at Buckingham, a professor at the Laurentian Leadership Centre at Trinity Western University, and Cardinal Thomas Collins, Bishop Lionel Gendron, and Bruce F. Simpson from the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops. To read our submission and to find out how you can support our efforts to repeal Canada's blasphemy law, visit bchumanist.ca. Now to the Canadian uh, Secular Alliance, uh, Mr. Oliver. Thank you. So, my name is Greg Oliver, and I'm here on behalf of the Canadian Secular Alliance. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak today. Uh, the Canadian Secular Alliance is a nonpartisan and registered not-for-profit organization whose objective is to promote separation of religion and state in Canada. We strongly believe that to maintain equality between citizens in a pluralistic society like ours requires government neutrality in matters of religion, not favoring one religion over another, or favoring religion over no religion, or vice versa. This is one of the core principles of all liberal democracies. Uh, fortunately, Canada has done a much better job of this than most countries in the world, but there's still room for improvement. Uh, in June of last year, I initiated the now-certified petition E382, calling on the government to repeal Section 296, prohibiting blasphemous libel from the criminal, from the criminal code. There are several reasons why we feel this is necessary. First of all, freedom of speech is a core principle of every liberal democracy and a shares right here in Canada. All ideas should be subject to debate, criticism, or even ridicule. Exempting religious ideas substantially erodes this principle. Also, Section 296 is no longer relevant to Canadian society. Its repeal would have strong support across the Canadian political spectrum, hasn't resulted in a successful prosecution in over 80 years, and no charges have been laid in over 35. Though I'm no legal expert, I, uh, it is widely believed that it would be ruled unconstitutional under the Charter. If a law has not been used in decades or is most, li most likely unconstitutional, it ought to be repealed in our opinion. Another consideration is global affairs. Uh, blasphemy is still illegal in 71 countries and is punishable by death in at least six. Blasphemy laws are disproportionately used to persecute religious minorities and government critics. And there have been a variety of high-profile blasphemy cases recently. Uh, As uh, Asiya Bibi in Pakistan, in Indonesia, former Jakarta governor Ahok, Nahed Hattar in Jordan, Pussy Riot and others in Russia, and Raif Badawi in Saudi Arabia, and countless others who have not received international press. Each of these cases constitutes grave human rights violations by liberal democratic standards. And there may come a time when the elected representatives of this country wish to condemn cases like this. As long as we have blasphemy laws of our own, it significantly erodes our moral credibility when doing so. Our our passive blasphemy law adds credibility to active and sometimes lethal blasphemy laws worldwide. 
We also support the proposal to repeal Section 176. Subsection 1 prohibits obstruction, violence, or arrest of clergymen. Now, the wording here, as has been noted, appears to apply only to male Christian officiants. This privileges men over women and Christians over those from other religions or the non-religious community. And uh, harassment and assault laws already exist. To our knowledge, Canada is not burdened with a unique set of circumstances in which male or Christian officiants require official or additional protection from harm. Subsections 2 and 3 are concerned with disruptions to meetings for religious worship or for a moral, social, or benevolent purpose. Some types of meetings, such as weddings or funerals, can plausibly be interpreted in a religiously neutral manner. But we remain concerned about a chilling effect on freedom of expression at meetings for religious worship. There have been several cases invoking these subsections since the 1980s. One of the cases that caught our eye was Stoke Graham versus the Queen from 1985. In this case, a Nova Scotia Catholic Church changed how congregants were expected to take communion. Instead of kneeling, they would now stand to receive it. Six congregants dissented from this decision and continued to kneel when it came time to receive communion. Eventually, when presented with an ultimatum to stand, they refused to take the communion and they returned to their seats. Now, they were convicted under Section 176, and it was upheld twice on appeal, but the charges were overturned at the Supreme Court. Now, in this case, the short and passive nature of the protest exonerated the accused, albeit in the highest court in the country, but it highlights our concern that Section 176 protects religious dogma or orthodoxy from criticism or civil protest. There are a myriad of religious ideas or practices that some may find objectionable. This is relevant within religious communities as well as outside of them. We remain unconvinced that these meetings are always an inappropriate venue for expressing differences that arouse controversy and therefore are requiring more protection under the law. Having said that, we of course acknowledge the benefit to society of protecting against certain destructive acts at these meetings. But as the minister and several others have already articulated, the criminal code already criminalizes causing a disturbance, uttering threats, intimidation, and incitement of hatred towards identi identifiable groups. Sentencing is typically more severe when the offense is motivated by hate towards religious communities and hate crime laws are potentially applicable as well. In our view, these protections make Section 176 unnecessary. Thank you. Thank you very much to all three groups for your testimony. And now we're going to go to questions. Uh, Mr. Nicholson. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for your testimony here today. Uh, Mr. Oliver, you said that your understanding of this Section 176 is that it's for the protection of Christian males. You probably are you may be aware, or maybe maybe you're not aware that the interpretation, uh, including the the courts and the government, Revenue Canada, National Defense, and everything, is that it includes all religious officials, regardless of their sex or their religion. Were you aware of that? Um, no, but it's a good uh, argument for cleaning up the wording if it were to be retained in any way, shape, or form. And I, I would add, I um, perhaps you could answer this question for me. Does it uh, apply to uh, 
secular humanist officiants as well. Um, I'm asking the questions here today, Mr. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> as far as I know, you know what I mean? But, but thank you for that. I'll take that under consideration. Uh, um, well, our primary concern, of course, is uh, that it is uh, religiously neutral. Yeah. And under the current wording, it's certainly plausible that you would interpret it in a different way. Could be. Um, thank you, Professor Buckingham. That was very well put together, your your explanation of this and your rationale. And uh, it actually coincides, um, you know, with my own thoughts on this. Um, I mean, one of the interesting things, and we've heard this before, is that if something hasn't been used very often, therefore it should be taken out of the criminal code. I was saying to some of my colleagues, I remember uh, at law school them talking about the the treason sections of the criminal code, and they're saying it's not used very often. So I, 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 I hope that nobody would then make the conclusion, we better get rid of treason out of the criminal code just because Canadians don't uh, commit some of these uh, offenses. But, uh, but thank you for that. Uh, uh, Your Excellency, uh, uh, Cardinal, um, if, could you, and, and both, both our, our bishops that are here today and Mr. Simpson, it's important to get this word out as to what's actually taking place. We've heard testimony that, uh, in fact, just earlier today that you, you may have heard uh, or seen that um, this took a lot of people by surprise, that, uh, quite frankly, there wasn't much publicity for this. It just kept, got dropped out in the summer. Um, what can be done? What do you think are you going to do to get this message out before this bill actually comes down to third reading here to get that message out? Are you distributing it to parishes, letting them, them know? Because I I think that seems to be an essential part of this to make sure everybody knows exactly what's going on. Cardinal Collins. Okay. Well, I think that it might very well be important. Uh, the very uh, publication of this this meeting makes people more aware of that. Uh, I think it is. Uh, there may well be some uh, plans on behalf of the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops, and I would suggest maybe Bishop Jean-Dron might uh, have uh, some insights into that, which covers this is responsible for the whole country. Well, I was not aware of that, really. It was the uh, staff who uh, woke up to the reality, and since May, we've been working on this issue. We drafted this brief. How will this affect uh, par parishioners? How will parishioners get this information? Well, the media will convey what is happening. This committee will reach them, and so they will better understand what is underway. So for reasons which are different, I would say that Professor Buckingham talked about hate crime cases, and there are more and more of those here in Canada I fear that if we remove that section, I fear the message Parliament would be sending to Canadians. There is possibly a pedagogical interest in keeping Section 176. Your role as a solicitor for the, the Catholic Conference of Bishops and uh, your work in the, the legal 
profession. Would you agree that it's not just only hatred that might motivate somebody to disrupt uh, a religious service? There are those who may think this is some sort of comical effort, that but and but it would be completely included in this. And will, would you agree as well that uh, the worry that somehow the old uh, wording of this uh, uh, is only restricted to male uh, members of the Christian Christian faith isn't is your experience with the law that generally the courts look at a larger context and expand the definitions? Yeah, I'll start with the second part first, if you don't mind. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I I don't see how you can really interpret clergyman as meaning anything other than a religious leader, regardless of their gender and regardless of their religion. And it's important to note the courts have said over and over again that when interpreting legislation, you should try. You can't bend the words all out of shape, but if the if there's a reasonable interpretation consistent with the charter, that's the interpretation you go with. If, if clergyman only means a male Christian, this can't stand constitutional muster. But the Supreme Court of Canada and the British Columbia Court of Appeal have said it does. Now, admittedly, they weren't dealing with that particular issue, but it would have hit them in the... F I mean, anybody can read it. Uh, so I really think that's the, the thing. The other point here that I think that's important, the hate crimes, you, you can disrupt a religious service motivated by what isn't really hate. And I, I think my, my friend... Um, Mr. Oliver makes a good point in one way. There's a difference between expressing strong feelings against, say, a religious doctrine and strong feelings against members of a congregation. My understanding is that the one is legal and probably should be. The other is not and shouldn't be. Uh, but you, but if some, it doesn't matter what the motivation is, I don't think. If you're disrupting a religious service, you're causing a great deal of emotional turmoil to a large number of people. And I don't think it matters why they're doing it. They're doing it. Um, I think it's also important. Somebody made the point about a lot of these cases get diverted. Well, that's because when there's mental illness, often... Uh, courts decide to divert if the person will get the treatment they need. That, and, and the Crowns are involved in that. But without the charge being laid, there's often no mechanism for that. The same is true of things like restorative justice, which a lot of churches are very much on side with, but often you need the charge to get that process in motion. So, and I would point out, if you look at subsections 2 and 3, they're not covered uh, by Section 175. You, there are lots of ways to disrupt a religious service without violating 175. And hey, thank you very much. Mr. Sassi? Thank you, uh, Mr. Chair. Now, if I could uh, ask Mr. Oliver uh, a few questions. Um, thank you ever so much for appearing before this committee, Mr. Oliver. Um, my first question is, um, as you know, um, the freedom of expression is um, um, closely uh, derived from uh, other freedoms, such as uh, freedom of expression, uh, freedom of assembly, and uh, freedom of conscience. In your opinion, is um, is the repeal of blasphemous uh, libel? Will it strengthen and uh, fortify those other freedoms? Well, of course. I mean, freedom of uh, speech is essentially the best corrective we possess as a species for making progress in whatever realm that may be, technological, 
scientific, uh, ethical, uh, philosophical, and um, some of the issues that religion tackles are some of the most important philosophical questions that are facing mankind. Where, where do we come from? Why are we here? What's the meaning of life? And so forth. And the idea that um, certain ideas, because of the fact that they invoke the supernatural, will be off off limits, uh, potentially could impede that progress. Thank you for that. Now, uh, I know you've been very active on this issue, on the issue of uh, Section 296. Um, are you aware of any uh, group that has any objections to the removal of uh, Section 296? I um, originally intended to speak mostly about 296, but then I noticed that I couldn't find a single objection. Um, that wasn't the case with 176, so I decided to address that a little bit more. But to 296, I, at best I can tell, um, at least within uh, uh, the House of Commons, there, it, se- it appears to be unanimous support. No, but, but you haven't heard from any other stakeholders? Or no, any no, no, not, not re- religious groups or anything uh, that I could find uh, with my research. So. And, um, and uh, we've heard from, from other people here today uh, their misgivings about um, repeal of Section 176. Mm-hmm. Uh, my colleague, um, uh, Mr. McGregor, um, actually spoke about how Section 176 could undermine Section 15 of the Charter, the equality rights. Um, what, what is your opinion on that specific issue? Hmm, interesting. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, essentially, equality rights, is uh, that's kind of the mandate of our organization. We want to seek uh, equal uh, rights for all religious groups and non-religious people as well. So, um, yeah, there are, like as I outlined in my opening remarks, there are, uh, in, in subsection one, it's worded in a way that kind of implies there's a bias towards one side. And um, the, the, the point I mentioned about the uh, potential chill on free speech uh, with subsections two and three, um, that, that's, that, that's unequal because you're you kind of, uh, granted, granted it, it is a limited scope, but you're providing protection to religious dogma or orthodoxy in certain situations. So that is, by definition, uh, a violation of equality rights. So the, and uh, my last question would be to uh, Mr. Simpson. Uh, could you also talk about the intersection of uh, Section 176 and uh, Section 15 of the Charter? Well, Section 15 of the Charter really allows, if you lay, it's an equality section. Um, 176 does not, in my view, in any way violate anybody's equality. And, and I don't see how it affects freedom of speech. We're talking about religious services. Uh, and churches and synagogues and all of the other kinds of religious places of worship are open, usually. They want everybody to come. So it's not like, you know, a lot of meetings are safe. They're inside of buildings and so on. And it, it disrupting the service... It, not being allowed to disrupt the service doesn't mean you're not allowed to express opinions about the religion. It's just where and when you do it. Imagine, for example, if the religious service happens to be someone's funeral or wedding. 
I mean, you know, there, the people are gathered there, or it might just be Christmas midnight mass, but that has a lot of special meaning for a lot of people. There are times and places for everything, right? And and the place for protest is not inside of a place of worship when people are there to attend service. I, I just think that's wrong. And I think we, that's why we need 176, 2, and 3, particularly. It doesn't, it doesn't take away anybody's equality. Nobody's trying to prevent anybody from expressing opinions, just not disrupting the religious services. Uh, yes, um, um, Bishop Gendron. Yes, I understand. En, en fait, dans la présentation que in fact, in the presentation I gave, I insisted on the fact that the person who is responsible for the community is not different from anyone else. We're talking, this person wants the good of the community and therefore wants this assembly of prayer. We are talking um, about benevolent actions, a benevolent purpose. These actions have a an, an objective, and nobody else has the right to disturb these people who have all come together. A clergyman is... is there to serve the community. Thank you, Chair. Um, Mr. Oliver, I'm, I'm going to start with you, and I just want to continue on uh, the subject that Mr. Ehasi brought up, uh, just from the previous um, round of witnesses that we had concerning Section 15 of the Charter, the Equality Rights. Um, I was making the point to the witnesses that, uh, you know, for, for people who aren't religious uh, but may belong to an identifiable group, um, if they are going to a meeting and the person who is the leader of that meeting uh, is obstructed from attending, uh, are they not you know, suffering the same amount of harm and, and are they um, being excluded? Because Section 176, for the most part, makes specific reference only to religion but not to other groups. Their reply to me was that uh, it's saved by subsection 2, which and I'll just word it. It says, uh, everyone who willfully disturbs or interrupts an assemblage of persons met for religious worship or for a moral, social, or benevolent purpose is guilty of an offense. So I'm just wondering, in, in your opinion, um, is this entire section saved by that subsection 2, given that it, it does make an effort to cover other groups? I just want to hear your thoughts on that. With respect to equality, it, it definitely is better. As I mentioned in my opening remarks, um, weddings and funerals, for example. Obviously, a non-religious funeral should get the same protection as a religious funeral. And presumably both fall under that category. Um, with religious worship, it is a little, a little trickier, I guess, because you are prioritizing, um, arguably prioritizing, um, sincerely held views simply because there's an invocation of the supernatural. Well, in, in your uh, remarks, um, you you made reference to the fact that uh, Section 176 of the Criminal Code is a deterrent. Um, I don't think many Canadians were well aware that this section even existed before this bill came forth. Uh, and I'm just I would just like you to expand on your remarks because uh, do, do you really think that specific sections of the Criminal Code 
uh, are a deterrent by themselves, or is it more how the law is applied uh, through case law and so on? Uh, what, in your opinion, acts as more of a deterrent? And what will be more effective? Bon, j'espère de bien comprendre la question, là. I hope I understood the question. I would say that, at least as far as I'm concerned, and as far as how I feel, there was a gentleman whose name, oh, Victor Frankl. Victor Frankl. And the meaning for is different for everyone. For some people, their meaning of life lies in their faith. But for others, their meaning in life is that life has no meaning. But everyone has the right to believe what they want. They have the choice to choose what they believe. And what they believe is their truth. And they have the right to share that truth. And that's why when we also talk about the moral and the social, those aspects are also important. As from the moment we gather, we can talk about gathering for religious freedom, for freedom of thought, for freedom of belief. It is important that these rights be protected. I'm sure that there's another way of protecting these rights, but... 176 underscores this particular freedom. And I also believe that in today's world, given the surge of hateful acts, 176 is more important than ever. And that's why I believe it must remain. In a few days, um, someone just passed me a note to this effect. A, note will, uh, a letter will be signed by the conference, and also an ecumenical and interreligious uh, letter bringing together all these groups, um, people of the Jewish faith and the Christians and Muslim faiths will all sign together in the interest of upholding 176. I hope I've answered your question. You're the, the legal counsel. Um, I want to ask you this question. Um, Bishop Jean Durand argued that the other sections of the criminal code are incapable of providing the same level of protections. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, going over this specific section because, as you know, at the uh, latter end of the criminal code, um, you know, under seven sec, uh, section 718.2, under the sentencing principles, you know, judges are given a lot of leeway to either increase or decrease a sentence based on whether the offense was motivated by bias, prejudice, or hate based on a variety of factors. Um, why, in your opinion, uh, because we can't just look at the criminal code just as it, it's written. We also have to look at how it's been interpreted and used in case law. So why, in your opinion, uh, do those sections not work as well as 176? Just want to hear your legal opinion on that. Well, <clears throat> I think there's a couple of reasons. 176, or rather, the, the, main, the main section you would use is, one, is 175, causing a disturbance. But if you read it, now one thing you could do is put sections 176, subsection 2, and subsection 3, I suppose, as part of section 175. I don't know. But section 176 is about creating a disturbance in a public place, and you have to do it by doing certain things. And it is entirely possible to seriously disrupt a religious service or uh, one of these meetings um, without 
creating a disturbance as it's defined in section 176. I think it's also, though, important. I mean, for a long time, perhaps, we didn't have a, a lot of charges laid under this section because I think for the longest time, I mean, I grew up in Canada. I can remember when religious, I mean, people had different opinions on religion, but religious intolerance just seemed almost to not exist. I think we went through several decades where arguably Canada was the most tolerant place in the world for, for different religious opinions. But unfortunately, things sometimes change. And although I think the overwhelming majority of Canadians are religiously tolerant, we've had a lot of hate lately. Muslims, of course, are the primary objects of late. But it is, as the professor pointed out, Catholics and, of course, Jewish people remain uh, targets of hatred. Why, I don't pretend to understand, but it's so. And I think it's, it's not unimportant to say, look, we, we view as important the right of people to go to their place of worship and be free from being interfered with while they're there. Um, in fact, it's hard to, I don't think you'll find anybody who actually thinks you ought to disrupt these things. And, but I, I don't think the protections are there. With the assaults, there are ways to deal with it. There's no question. It's, it's less significant. Although, you know, we have a section, for example, if a policeman's assaulted because he's at a hockey game and he gets into an, an argument or something, he's not treated any differently than a plumber. But if he's in the course of his duties, he is. And I think there's good reason for that. And I think there's a lot of good reason to protect clerics when they're in the course of their duties, uh, because they can be, and I think of late, they appear to be special targets. So there's something to be said. Just because people don't know about the particular section, I do think most people know that it's illegal to disrupt a religious service. And if you take it out, maybe people will find out it's not. Thank, thank you very much. Uh, and we'll go to Ms. Khalid. Thank you, Chair, and uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for, for your testimony today. Greatly appreciated. Um, we've heard specifically with respect to Section 176 um, varying opinions um, about what the role of, of the criminal code is, whether this section um, is applicable uh, in today's day and age or not, or are similar protections offered in, uh, in other sections of the code. Um, and one argument I, I find to be uh, quite fascinating, and I'd like to get your opinion on this, uh, Ms. Buckingham and, and Mr. Simpson, um, is that um, the, the criminal code, its objective is to deter, um, deter members of, of the community to, to not do certain acts that are uh, disruptive, et cetera, that are unlawful. Um, and, and we hear uh, that that this uh, this section needs to stay in the criminal code because we don't want to send a, a wrong message. Um, and we've also heard that there are other uh, sections in, in the criminal code that, that would apply. Now, I'm kind of grappling with this concept. The criminal code's objective is to deter, um, to prevent, uh, to keep the peace um, within our society. Um, but does it also carry um, a, a value of policy, um, uh, or I guess proactive deterrence in, in having such a section in here uh, to, to let people know that, you know, even though there have only been 30 charges under this section, um, 
that that this is not acceptable. If if I can, Miss um, Buckingham, if you want to go first. Thank you. Um, well, first of all, I I think it's important to recognize that um, Section Two A of the Charter protects religious freedom, and this is. Uh, I, I would wonder how is Parliament protecting the freedom of worship to worship without this section there. Um, secondly, churches, it may be that the general public isn't aware of this section, but churches are aware of this section. And I am aware of churches that have been able to stop people from causing a disturbance or to limit what they can do by saying, you know, it it is against the criminal law of Canada for you to come in and disturb this worship. You may stand outside, you may have a sign, you can't use a bullhorn, you can do this and this, but you can't do that and that. And so churches have used it short of calling the police in order to deter people from disturbing a, worship, a service of worship. Mr. Simpson? Yeah, I, I think the professors put it quite well. And, and it also enables the police to come, even if a charge isn't late, if the police can at least come and say, look, you're committing a crime, you get out of here right now, or now that has real value. I would also add that part of the purpose of the criminal code is to correct. And that's why, even though charges may not be laid, if there is... Uh, some kind of restorative justice thing done. If the person gets uh, psychiatric assistance that he needs, uh, that may be a benefit too, because part of the criminal code is to correct when, when there has been a breach. Uh, thank you. Um, Ms. Buckingham, you had said that you had some recommendations um, with respect to Section 176 in your uh, remarks earlier. Would you like to briefly talk about them? Certainly, and, and it really is just changing um, the term clergyman uh, or minister to religious official, uh, which I think is the terminology that the Supreme Court of Canada has used in these situations um, from celebrating. I think religious is a little bit more inclusive than divine service, um, and then changing him to him or her, uh, because we know that there are... Um, female uh, religious leaders, and so I think it's uh, better to have inclusive language there as well. It's not really a, a, a large change, but I think uh, it may send a, a good, inclusive and diverse message. Uh, thank you. And I actually just, just want to share, um, a few months ago, I was having an interfaith dialogue with a group of uh, of clergymen, uh, the broader definition of, of which, and um, we were interrupted um, by a number of people who wanted to express themselves, uh, Mr. Oliver. Uh, they uh, they barged in and they said dirty so-and-so, so-and-so to, uh, to the clergymen people. Um, and, and I wonder now if this section would have applied in that instance. No charges were late. Um, but those are all the questions I have. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ms. Khalid. Uh, colleagues, we're just we're already past the time that this panel was supposed to end. Does anybody have any really short, important questions they want to add? And if not, I want to welcome Mr. Falk back to our committee. It's not been the same without you, and we're we're thrilled to have you back. Thank you. And uh, let me thank all of the witnesses from this panel. You were very helpful. Uh, your testimony was very thought-provoking, and, and I want to thank each and every one of you. And uh, uh, your eminence, thank you for attending uh, from uh, from far away. <laughs>